Hello, everyone. I'm Mark Cooper, and welcome to this latest episode in our Rethink Energy podcast series. And today is a podcast of a difference, as we are not so much rethinking energy, but rethinking sailing. I'm very pleased to say that Baivar RE and professional sailor Sunny Boyker have partnered up. Just like Baivar RE, powered by the wind and the sun, Sunny will be taking part in some extremely challenging solo and team races over the coming months, and we will be following her story closely. A successful Olympic sailor, for over 10 years, Sunny had the honor to represent Germany at the Tokyo Olympics, where she won a silver medal. But as if that was not challenging enough, Sunny has now embarked on a new career offshore sailing, and she is currently taking part with her team in the ocean race, spanning 32,000 nautical miles, four oceans, four continents, and nine international cities. At the time of recording this podcast, Sunny is on a stopover in Cape Town, and we're very pleased has made the time to join us today. We'll be talking to Sunny about her early career and inspirations, what drives her, her move into ocean racing, life on board, and Sunny's campaign, This Race is Female, which, not surprisingly, is all about pushing boundaries. I hope you enjoy this episode. Don't forget to check out other podcasts and content at rethink-energy.com. Sunny, a warm welcome. Hello, everyone. I'm really happy to be here in this podcast. And you're joining us from Cape Town, I gather. Exactly. Uh, I arrived in Cape Town last Sunday um, after having been on the ocean for two and a half weeks because I sailed here from Capo Verde, in a little island in the Atlantic. And I understand congratulations to you and the team are in order, winners of leg two of the ocean race and currently overall race leaders. That's that's pretty good for a, for a new career in um, in ocean racing. Yeah, I was smart enough to, to join the best team. <laughs> Obviously, I'm very new to this whole topic, um, but the team of Hoss and PRB, uh, the skipper, Kevin Escoffier, he's got his boat um, next to me in France. And so he asked me to join his team. And we've been putting uh, a huge um, amount of work into the project. And at the moment, we're sitting in first, which makes us uh, very happy. But we are also very aware that there are many legs to come and uh, many challenges still to, to, still to be faced. Today is my last uh, day of holidays, and then next week we <laughs> start to prepare for the next leg. There's always a lot to do. The next leg will be five weeks long, so you can imagine the amount of spares, the amount of food, uh, the amount of organization you need um, to be able to uh, survive without external resources for five weeks. Uh, that's a lot. It's a lot of responsibility for every team member. Yeah, so that's why... We have a lot of work ahead of us next week. I can imagine. Well, I say I can imagine. I probably can't imagine. Um, and we will be talking in a lot more detail um, about about the race and life on board a little later on in the podcast. But to begin with, just to go back a little bit. So um, Olympic silver medalist in Tokyo, an incredible achievement um, in and of itself, and no doubt the result of an incredible amount of hard work. Um, and after this highlight, you decide to change your career and start a new chapter in offshore racing. And as we've just been talking about, join the um, very prestigious ocean race as the first German woman. If we go back a little bit, uh, kind of uh, to where it all began, um, can you tell us a bit about um, what got you into sailing in the first place? What were those kind of early inspirations and motivations that attracted you to sailing? Um, and then obviously then going on to pursue a career in ocean racing? 
Yeah, so I grew up I grew up by the sea in a little village in the north of Germany, and um, I was always attracted by the water. And my family, um, they are all sailors. Uh, even my grandparents, they still used to sail over the Atlantic until uh, 15 years ago. Uh, my parents met each other during a sailing competition. So uh, the sport was always in the genes of my family. Um, so I picked it up, uh, got pretty, pretty ambitious though in it, um, and had the dream as a small child to uh, represent Germany at the Olympic Games one day. But in... The heart of my heart was always for offshore sailing because in offshore sailing, it is far away from the coast. You're on a boat for a few nights, for many many hours. Um, You can't hide from nature. You're really exposed to nature's elements. And this kick, this intensity always fascinated me. Um, so that's why after winning the Olympic uh, silver medal in Tokyo, I decided to to switch discipline and to involve myself more into this very yeah intense field of sailing and go a bit away from uh, from high performance sailing, more into the inv- adventurous side, I'd call it, of our sport. And what was that transition like? I mean, obviously, you know, um, an Olympic sailor is a pretty uh, grueling um, discipline and no doubt involves a huge amount of training as well. But, you know, similarly then ocean um, ocean sailing, no doubt equally um, demanding, but in, in different ways, I'm assuming. Yeah, it's been uh, it's not been easy, that's for sure. Uh, but I think um, no transition is easy, and I I really like challenges. Um, I like to learn new things, and I'm still learning. Uh, I'm still learning every day because the field of ocean racing, the field of offshore sailing, is completely new to me. Um, I've got. Due to my Olympic career, I got a good feeling for the wind, a good feeling for wind shifts, for the water, to for how a boat feels. But I have, uh, I need to learn everything new from big weather systems, from how to navigate big yachts. It's it's a, it's a really new field, and I love it. I love it to learn every day. And special as well to to this career is that most offshore sailing in the world is in France because um, France got a really strong culture in. Uh, offshore sailing. So I decided to, to base myself um, f- in France to, to be more exposed to options, to be more exposed to the best sailors and offshore sailing in the world. So on top of the sailing challenge, I am at the moment learning a new language, um, ah. and, yeah, which is, I sometimes say, even more of a challenge than, than, than my daily business than learning or than, than the sailing itself. <laughs> And as we just mentioned at the start then, I mean, you won leg two overall race leaders. I mean, that's, you know, that's pretty incredible. I mean, how does that feel having, you know, relatively recently embarked on this, um, on this new career? And that's an incredible start. (laughs) Yeah, I'm, I'm, it feels cool. Of course, it's always easier to win. (laughs) It's a a better (laughs) feeling and a nicer feeling to win. Um, 
But I think uh, I got to pay attention that um, I'm still in the beginning of my career and I'm very aware of uh, the amount of hard work you got to put into something. So having won this leg now, it doesn't mean for me to to lean back and to uh, to be proud of the success. It's uh, There's a lot to learn for me um, ahead of me. And uh, of course, I take every win, but I think, um, to be honest, out of losses, out of... Um, you always learn more. That's what I experienced from my Olympic career. So uh, I'm pretty aware of, I'm not so interested in the result. I'm more interested into, uh, into my learning process. Um, more, more focused on that than at the result, to be very honest. <laughs> which is which is a good approach. And we're going to talk about the ocean race in a bit more detail. But just before we do, what was that like in Tokyo, winning that, that silver medal? That must have been pretty phenomenal. Yeah, indeed it has. Um, to understand how that felt, you have to know a bit about my history. So it was the third time... Um, my team partner that time and me, we tried to qualify for the Olympic Games. So we missed two trials. And then at the third trial, um, people already said, oh, you got, you girls are crazy. Why are you trying it for a third time? You know, you're in the end of your 30s. You should uh, go home, make kids and focus on life. We're like, no, we want to we try it again because we are convinced that we can win a medal for this country. And then we had a hell of a week, which was, um, yeah, sailing regatta is always a week long. Uh, didn't start really well, but we kind of kept it together because we had a really good teamwork. We had a really good mindset. And I somehow think it's amazing when you realize that when you really believe into something, it can work out. Um, I'd love that everyone have could have the same feeling, the same experience, because that's so, it's such an uplifting spirit that um, I'm, I'm really glad having experienced that so that my mindset, my, my resentlessness pushing towards a medal has uh, paid back. I'm really, really just thankful for that. Yeah. And that's what, that's the feeling. I walked up there taking the medal. I looked at my coach and cause he had always believed in us and it was just amazing. Wow. And, and as we've just been talking about, you know, that, that, you know, you, you wanted more um, and that hunger to kind of push boundaries, you know, and, and achieve um, led into um, the ocean race and where we are now. And as mentioned in the intro, it's an incredible race over six months, 32,000 nautical miles, four oceans, four continents, nine international cities. Well, um, you know, tell us a bit more, I mean, about the race itself. These are very long legs, as we talked about. Life on board um, must just be, yeah, kind of unique, challenging, stressful, rewarding in lots of different ways. Give us some insights into, into, into what that's like. Yeah, so it's a human challenge and a sailing challenge at the same time because um, you are with your teammates for, well, the longest leg is up to five weeks, um, five weeks, and there is no time off. You can't just, if there are problems, that's, and I think that's unique to sailing, when if there are problems, you can't just go home, reflect, talk with friends, and then come back. You are 
on your own, squeeze together with your teammates in this. <laughs> you, I mean, these boats are big. Um, you see them, they are 60 foot long. They're huge, but the, the space where we live is actually pretty mm-hmm. small. We share sleeping bags. We share <laughs> one bucket to go to the toilet. Um, we, you're really, really close to them. Everything inside the boat is wet. It's loud because these boats make a noise because they are foiling. Everything is moving and shaking all the time. And there's just no real off time. It's really hard to get sleep in. And oh, you can't stand upright. Uh, it's amazing. Like, can you? I'm, I'm one meter 75, and there's just one, one place outside on the, in the cockpit where I can stand upright. So it is very, <laughs> Ah, sorry. And I forgot to mention, we don't have fresh food. So we don't have good food. We don't have a lot of sleep. So everything human needs to perform is not there. And uh, it's really interesting what that does to your mind. And it's it's an amazing human challenge. And yeah, I just loved it. <laughs> uh, that, the way you describing it was not set up for i love it at the end that <laughs> sounded for for most people that would be kind of uh, un, unimaginable um for a, i don't know a few days let alone weeks so how many of you are there on the boat so we have four sailors and one onboard reporter so the crew's pretty small um in other ocean races before uh we were always 11 people on these on on different boats though they were a little bit more a little bit bigger a bit more comfortable but in this in this edition we are sailing on a boat type that is called imoka um mm-hmm. it is a boat that is usually used to sail single-handed around the world in the Vendée globe and um, this boat that I'm sailing on right now will take part in the Vendée Globe as well in two day, uh, in two years. Um, and so right now we are four sailors and one onboard reporter, so five people. And as you mentioned, you're kind of you know with each other twenty four seven. What what does I'm going to say? What does a typical day look like? If there is such a thing as a typical day, describe a day for me. I mean, how how does that work? Yeah, so we are uh, organizing watches. So there's actually a pretty big routine, and you're always having the watches with the same people. So there is a kind of rhythm. What is funny is that we always keep the same um, time on board as well. Our time is the UTC time, the U- the Greenwich time. So wherever we are. So sometimes it could be dark outside and it's obviously late um, um, nighttime where we are sailing, but our UTC watch says um, it's it's in the morning. So that's pretty funny. We are living in a kind of right small small microsystem <laughs> on the, on, this, on these boats, and so you uh, I try to wake up before my watch, so um, I'm fully dressed and I have eaten something before I go on deck. Um, then I do my uh, duties on on watch, so which is trimming the sails, uh, uh, monitoring the wind, making sure, trying to spot where uh, things could break, so to prevent uh, accidents or to prevent um, failures in, in the equipment. And then before going to bed or before going to off watch, I'd uh, try to make sure I've, I dry my I dry my sailing gear so that I can have a peaceful rest um, ahead of me. Because yeah, in these three hours, no matter what time of the day it is, I'll try to sleep. 
Um, wow. Because usually, um, and that's the next thing, you have sail changes, you have maneuvers, and for all maneuvers, uh, everyone, we have a all-hands-on-deck call. So that means everyone's got to wake up, everyone's got to be on deck. So in these three hours of rest, uh, you have to be available within five minutes to be on deck and to perform uh, so you're you're pretty lucky if that happens on your on watch, but if you're on in your if it happens in your off watch, uh, yeah, you got to be obviously on deck, and you can't you cannot count on three hours of just uh, um, your time. No, you're still available for the crew twenty four seven basically. And and how do you go about preparing for something like that? The physical challenge, the mental challenge. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't really know to be honest. Um, I firstly, I I definitely think that as a human being in general, you never have the feeling that you're really prepared for something. That's the first thing I'd say. I think there's never a person who said, "Yeah, yeah, I got this fully under control." I think like an ocean race is a challenge and an adventure for everyone. Um, but we tried to prepare a lot on the physical side. As these boats are very physical, they are racing extremely fast, um, so to say 60 kilometers per hour. And sometimes they are slamming into waves, which makes them stop to, I'd say, the half of the speed. Um, so why am I saying this? You can imagine if a boat is this fast, but also that fast in uh, braking, you need to have a quite good core strength, a quite good uh, reaction time in general. Um, and as well, sails are pretty heavy and we have to lift the sails within the boat many times during the day. So you got to be pretty, yeah, especially the upper body has got to be pretty fit. And then the next thing mentally, um, <laughs> well, you tell me, I think it's, um, you need to be quite adventurous, quite, um, happy to, to challenge, uh, to be challenged, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. To have an extreme love for the sport. And like, to be very honest, I can understand every person who says it's not, it's nothing for them. It's not for them. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can't explain anyone why I like, or why I love this sport and this discipline. You think I'm adrenaline, I'm an adrenaline junkie. I'm not. I just, um, I'm just really in love with the sport of sailing. And I'm, and what I also love is to, to face my own feelings, my own thoughts when it's getting tough. Because, so that's kind of um, what I like. And well, you can imagine that in this sport, you're being really faced with the darkest side of your character. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, yes, I'm sure there must be just moments, you know, um, repeatedly that push you to your limits and you still got to keep going and go beyond them and push those boundaries. I mean, in all, you know, in kind of the experiences you've had so far and, and all of those, are there some particularly standout moments when you just thought, oh my God, you know, how am I going to keep going? And, and of course, yeah. you know, you do. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. There are these moments every time. Uh, I'd say a few times per day, but it's very funny in offshore sailing. I talked with many people about it. You got these highs and these lows multiple times per day, and they come just straight after each other. It's right, like um, so. Uh, I'd say it's keeping uh, it's keeping a balance, and it's about not 
judging the hard moment too much, but, but as well, if it's too, if it's very nice, you got to be aware of, okay, in probably 10 minutes, I'm going to hate all of this again. (laughs) (laughs) All this is life. You just got to be present in the moment. And then it's kind of, you kind of get from one thing to the other and you end up in Cape Town as the first boat. Um, so, which is amazing. (laughs) And that's a whole roller coaster, you know, of emotions. And as you say, you're kind of experiencing them on on, on, a, on a daily basis. I mean, are there things you do, kind of tips, tricks that you've learned just to kind of, I don't know, try and take things not too seriously, see the lighter side and, you know, kind of laugh at it all? Yeah, for sure. Laugh a little. I don't have an example for that right now. But for sure, you got to, when you're tired, um, not take your thoughts too seriously. Because mm-hmm. it's amazing how your thoughts can change your character just because you're tired. And as well, uh, it teaches you a lot to be tolerant with what your teammates say, because they might just also f- just face their own or be challenged at that moment. So leave them alone and um, don't don't judge every word they say or well, what, what made me laugh a lot is that in the last leg, is <laughs> I learned a lot on how to live on these boats because I had never mm-hmm. been on a boat for two weeks and all the trips, all the t- tips that the boys gave me. And there were some tips that um, were pretty new to me. Like if you got wet socks, you dry them, uh, you leave them on your body while you sleep. So you put your wet, smelly socks underneath your uh, layers to dry them. I thought that was pushing the boundaries of my own own feeling for hygiene a lot. Um, But to be very honest, it helped. So that that made me giggle a little bit when I lay down in my bunk bed underneath the sleeping bag and I put off my socks. They were completely wet smelly and put them underneath my shirt to dry them um yeah that made me giggle a lot because uh, <laughs> yeah resourcefulness <laughs> okay um yeah so just changing topic a little bit um and looking at the boats themselves i mean as as i understand it um you're carrying specialist equipment on board to measure microplastic pollution gather information about the impacts of climate change on the ocean and um, as we've already kind of um touched on already you're learning to kind of scale back to a minimum um with life on board um how important is that whole kind of conservation topic of natural resources and, and sustainability for you uh, very because on the boat i think um i think everyone should do more sailing because you're being taught in a very natural way to be conscious about what you're consuming because again i can bring this example there's one leg that is five weeks long so you need to have everything on board for five weeks and you can't just <clears throat> you can't just spend more resources than what you have so it, Sailing always taught me already, already as a small child in a very natural way to be mindful about what we have on board. You don't want too much. Mm-hmm. You don't want too little. And if you're using something, can we still use it in a different way? Uh, so that's a factor that is uh, a kind of a hobby of me, I would say, um, to to be, be minimalistic, but as well to think um, of how I can reuse things. And on board itself, I mean, sailing is a sport that is very close to nature. So it's an aim of the sailors, of the organization to, to bring a benefit to society and uh, mostly to science. 
Um, so we got um, a filter system on board that's running every day. It's filtering uh, 250 milliliters, uh, sorry, of water. The water is being taken in board, filtered, and these filters measure uh, the, the amount of microplastic in the water. Um, and again, these filters as well, they have a GPS location. Uh, we note down the time when we, when, when we filtered the water. These data will be given to, uh, to scientists uh, and they can, um, they can make important assumptions about the spread of microplastic on the oceans uh, with it. So for, to me, it's very important that we're not just racing around the world, that we are also um, using this, uh, being so remote on the ocean can also benefit uh, um, scientists um, in their researches. Absolutely. And, and do you find that that way, uh, you know, obviously when you're, when you're on board and that kind of mindset, do, do you take that with you offshore as well in between and just a kind of your day-to-day -day life? Uh, yeah, hundred um, percent. I mean, the the most easy example, and I've been doing it since I'm a child, since I grew up on sailboats, is uh, I um, I don't use a lot of water when I'm in the shower. Like mm -hmm. I was always told, well, we don't have a lot of water in the boat, so when you're putting the shampoo in your hair, the 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 shower is off. And I just later learned that that none of my friends did it because the water on land is just always um, available. Right. So yeah, there are all these small things that I hadn't realized uh, that I'm doing differently um, due to sail or knowing that resources on a boat are not um, infinite. Absolutely. And another topic that I know is important to you as well as all of us at Biva RE is gender equity and inclusion. Um, and as we're celebrating International Women's Day under the motto of Embrace Equity, can you tell me a bit more about your, your own views on this and your, your campaign, This Race is Female? <laughs> yeah, I'm a woman in a sport that is very, very male-dominated. And I'm lucky that in my family, I got a really strong mother. I never really felt discriminated by my gender. So I started this um, sailing and thought that what I'm doing is just completely normal <laughs> as a woman in this field. But then I realized it's not because there are just so few women and most of the women are not sailing because they feel weaker they get comments they or they don't want to be commented on so they're not even choosing that sport um so i think it's a pity and there are so many um areas in life where we probably we, we women we would like to do things but we're not doing it because we can't we don't believe we're strong enough we don't believe we can do it we just don't have enough uh, courage we don't have um so this race is female is a campaign that wants to empower women to do things they thought they couldn't do before. Just exactly my example as well. I mean, I went to France, did offshore sailing, had literally no idea where to start. And now somehow I'm, I'm one of the only women in this very male dominated field. I think we need more of that because we need more role models to see that it's possible. I mean, if you think about a sailor, you mostly think about an older man with beard but it can also be a woman with kids with with a family um mm -hmm. i think um in our mind we are so limited just because of the things we haven't seen before so i'm really happy in what i'm doing 
sailing as a relatively young woman, I'd say, to 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 change, yeah, to change what people have seen and hopefully empower other women to do things just because they've seen it's possible. And do you find there's a positive reaction from the from the um, ocean racing community and your colleagues? A hundred percent. Yeah, of course. I mean, there are always these that are leaving you comments, like, of course, but as well, I don't, I don't really care so much about it, which is probably also due to my Olympic success. You know, there's no sailor mm-hmm. in the offshore community who's won a silver medal. So I'm like, well, you can tell me whatever you want to, but <laughs> I know that I'm a good sailor. So I guess I'm a bit lucky in this, that I also have a bit more, well, a stronger foundation uh, that I can be very confident. Um, so I'm happy to use the stronger foundation to help other women to have this uh, mindset to just do what they want to do without. Uh, and let, I mean, th- these comments are coming always, but you just got to be stronger in your own mind and really be aware of what you want to do. And I'm I'm just leading by example. I'm not even trying hard. I'm just doing what I'm doing and it's motivating many women. Um and receiving amazing feedback on on social um and it's it pushes me to do even more of it. Going back to the ocean race. So this is I mean this is just the first step of your offshore sailing career. I mean um in terms of what what comes next if you you know given um the next six months if we can even think beyond that but what are the kind of big goals that you've kind of setting yourself and where do you see yourself going next? Yeah, um so my big dream, my big goal is um doing the Vendée Globe in 2028. It's a it's a race that is going leading one time around the world and it's single-handed which means that you're alone on the boat and you're alone on the Imoka class boats which are the boats I'm sailing on at the moment in the ocean race so basically me doing the ocean race it's not a coincidence that I was really interested to join the team because for me it's really important to 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 earn experience on these Imoka boats which are foiling 60 footers kind of weapons on the water i'd say so it's a long way to go and it's an this is an extreme you you call this or the vendée globe is um is said to be the hardest the, the most difficult race in sailing because again it's one time around the world non-stop and you're alone it's beyond words that challenge um so uh, luckily i still have a few years to prepare <laughs> Uh, Sadi, thank you so much for joining us. We are just coming up on time. I could, yeah, I'd love to keep talking to you for another hour or so, but uh, some fantastic insights um, and wish you all the very best on the next leg um, of the ocean race. And yeah, hopefully on, on the winner's rostrum. Yeah, thank you very much. I'm sending you many, many regards to Munich and I'm very happy to be uh, partnering with uh, Baiva RE now. Uh, this was our very first interview together, and I hope to do many more in the future. That will be great. Look forward to that too. Thank you, Sunny. Take care. Well, that's all we have time for today. A huge thanks again to my guest, Sunny, and thank you all for listening. I hope to speak to you again soon, and please check out other content and podcasts at rethink-energy.com. Bye for now.